0: am going to spend a couple weeks around the Christmas theme, maybe in Mr. Christmas and all that. Got to do. <laughs> well, maybe not. But uh, anyway, I want to talk about the choice of Bethlehem as a town, and then also the star that was in the story. I'm sure all of you are familiar with the outline of it, but uh, Bethlehem itself was just a little berg. So, I mean, uh, it would have been smaller than Marquette. And, you know, you're you going, what would prophecies be regarding, say, Pelkey or Gwen or, you know, Baldwin? I, I Take your pick. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. You know, to say something great would come out of a town like that, it's not... That's not really in our thinking, right? And so when a prophecy is made through the book of Micah in the 8th century BC, so between 750 and 800 years previous, said in this little town, something unusual is going to take place. Uh, The prophecy is uh, specific it says, From you a king will emerge. And this is already after the time of David. So there's just this this challenge of why would they even hang on to a writing that way? Or why would they even embrace that this is, um, you know, this is something worth remembering? I mean, I can't imagine us picking out just any town, Ishpami. And just say, okay, in, in a few hundred years, we're going to keep this written because we know there's something incredible that's going to take place. It just, you know, that there's something that you're going, why? But then the wonder of it is, with the different prophecies that are made connected to this, it's, it gives us an opportunity to see that God not only has his hand on history, and is capable of orchestrating the events of humanity, but also he can can formulate a plan and accomplish it years and years down the road. But also he is giving us inklings that say, this birth of Jesus Christ truly is unusual. Am I too loud or am I just... (laughs) Just a touch, please. Okay. Um, So... That said, Micah is writing, when he writes his book, he is a prophet, and he is prophesying that his people are going to suffer some terrible days because they've been living profanely. And he picks out Samaria and Jerusalem as his two main targets, and he just says, there's hard times coming to you, and the Syrians are going to come wipe you out. So this is hundreds of years in, uh, in advance of Jesus, but also it's years ahead of Assyria coming in. So he's writing things down, and they're seeing, okay, this guy had something powerful, but what he saw was further off still. Um, how many December babies do we have here? Anybody born? In... Uh, come up here, please. Wait a minute, you're not all December. No, come <laughs> on, come on, come on. Line up by date. Which, right, low numbers over uh, here. Low, this way. I'm June, <laughs> Okay. Yep. There you go. yep, if a prophet is looking down ahead into the future, he can say, I see a number of birthdays in December from a group of people, right? But in that, it isn't necessarily clear whose birthdays went. But in the case of Micah, he sees ahead, he sees Assyria coming, and then where we're at is somewhat like down the road, say halfway or three-quarters of the way, and Jesus is born about here, right? Right? He's looking ahead. He sees something, but there's still portions of it that have yet to be done. And and so when he's looking from there, it sees ahead. And we're going, okay, that's cool. That's prophetic. That's future. But then now we're in a place where we're looking back. Well, that's, that's history. Yeah, that's true. But it was still future when it was written. But yet there's a portion that's ahead yet. And when we read through the, the prophets in particular, like the, the minor prophets, um, we get that sense of, what's going on here? Well, some of this seems so obvious because it's already happened, but then there's other stuff that still seems like, man, that, I don't know. Well, that's because it's still yet to happen. But the the, the writers saw it's all ahead for their perspective. Okay, thank you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> To... Anyway, Micah, in his book, he is, he is telling people there's trouble coming because of what the way we've lived as a people. And he is not letting them off the hook. He's just saying, this is bad. But he also says, our God is so loving. There's a remnant that's going to be carried back. There's going to be a remnant that's saved. And, and he, he makes some other writings. We're very familiar with this passage in, in chapter 6. And I, to set it up, Micah 6.8, in the 7th verse, he says, uh, what? How, how can I enter into God's presence? How can we be at peace with God? How can we... Fellowship with him. With what should I bow before the sovereign God? Should I enter his presence with burnt offerings? Year-old calves, you know, that's what they're used to doing, the type of sacrifices. Thousand rams or 10,000 streams of olive oil. He says, you know, how much will it take to pay for our rebellion? For You know, payment for my rebellion, my offspring, my own flesh and blood for my sin? You know, what, would, is that what I ought to give so that God would, would be at peace with me? Now, we're looking later and say, God sends his only son. You know, there's a, already Micah's been tinkering with this idea. If I gave up a child, would that be enough? And he says, he's told you, man, what's good, what the Lord really wants you, of you. He wants you to carry out justice, to love faithfulness, and to live obedient before your God. He says, those are the things that God really wants out of your life. It isn't just extra offerings. It's not more sacrifices. But he says, this is what he's looking for. So Micah, you know, hundreds of years in advance is laying it out, but he also has this hint of just saying, it's in Bethlehem. So as the story goes on with Jesus' birth, Wise men see a star and they travel to Jerusalem and they go, "Uh, there's a king coming, where where is he? What do we need to know? And of course, Herod picks up on this. They say, where is the one born king of the Jews? For we've seen a star when it rose and have come to worship him. So they know something that we don't know anything about, right? I mean, they apparently have examined the heavens, or or they they have some understanding. And we're just kind of left, where did that come from? But they they walk through it with Herod, and Herod goes, okay. He asks his wise men, you know, he asks the religious leaders and and the chief priests, the experts of the law, what's this all about? And they refer back to this prophecy of the 8th century B.C., and they go, well, Micah said it's in Bethlehem. And so they tell him, and, and it's, there's an interesting note here. It, it says, uh, you, Bethlehem, know I least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a shepherd, a ruler, who will shepherd my people Israel. So they, they walk through this, and then you're going, they follow the star. It says it, it rose, and they, they saw, and it led them to the place where the child was. Now, there are several theories as to how this all worked, and they're, quite honestly, beyond me. (laughs) Have you ever been to a planetarium in December where they're doing the light show and they're saying this could have been the way that uh, the star got them to Jerusalem? Well, if you do sometime, uh, some of the theories are that they saw the planets align in a certain way and they identified those as rulers, and it actually took them that direction. There's another theory though that I tend to, to look at. And, and that word star means a scattering of light, or uh, like a tossing of light. And when they go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, they're going south, they've already been traveling west, which is not how stars rise. And, and so in going south certainly is not the travel point of a star. But is it possible that it was even like a pillar of fire, similar to what the Israelites followed through the wilderness? It, it's, it's one of those things that we just don't know. But somehow they got there, and somehow the guys that have been watching the heavens are led to Jesus as being special and unique over all creation. And, and so they land there, and, and you know, it's you're just kind of going, what, what, what is this? Well, it it gets even a little more complicated. They end up having a dream not to go back to Herod, so they have some spiritual insight that's coming in real time. But then there's other stuff going on. And I want to touch on that just a bit. Um, Bethlehem had been um, the birthplace of of David. It had been his his grandparents. Remember Ruth, the story of that, or great-grandparents. And then there's you know, the Israelites, you know, in John chapter 7, they're going, uh, who's this Jesus? He's from Galilee. Isn't he supposed to come from Bethlehem? You know, so that it's it's kind of a common knowledge. And even David, uh, you know, Bethlehem is special to him. One time when he's in war, uh, he's going, oh, if I just had some water from the well in Bethlehem. And it's like, if i could only go home and, and just have a couple calm days and, and his soldiers break through and bring it to him but you know that that said there's a uniqueness about this place but how do you get joseph there how do you get how do you get joseph who's living in galilee to bethlehem where the child's supposed to be born well god takes the roman emperor decides i need more taxes just like a regular government permit. I need taxes. And, in, and you can't just mail it in because they don't have mail service. And so they send everybody back to their hometown where they're registered. And there they pay their taxes. Well, obviously, Joseph gets there with Mary and the child is born. So again, unique situations. That said... Let's track this a little further. Jacob's blessing in the 18th century B.C. says, A scepter will not depart from Judah. The ruler's staff will from between his feet. He who comes to whom it belongs, the nations will obey him. So Jacob, when he's speaking over his family, his final prayers and thoughts over them, He's making a declaration about the tribe of Judah and saying, from you is going to come a ruler that is going to have authority over the nations. So 18th century, roughly 1700, 18th century B.C. I always get that messed up. You probably don't care. Anyway, (laughs) it gets a little goofier yet. Remember the story of Balaam? Balaam came from the region where the wise men would have come from, from that Euphrates region. He may have been aware of Balaam's prophecies. Balaam made this prophecy when he had been hired by a foreign country to speak ill of Israel. And he makes this declaration, A star will march forth out of Jacob, and a scepter will rise out of Israel. And again, Jesus at one point is referred to the morning star in the book of Revelation. It may be that they had connected the dots with those things. I don't know. But it gets even more interesting in regarding to the wise men and the region that they were in. Remember Daniel? When he was hauled off into captivity into Babylon, he would have been in that region as well. Remember how he was with the wise men and magicians of that day? So if they had had writings and, and uh, you know, said, these are things that have been spoken about our wise men of the past, they probably were aware of this writing regarding Israel. Because Daniel makes, makes the comment, um, or the prophecy says, an anointed one, a prince arrives, and there will be a period of seven weeks times 62 weeks. And, and scholars actually work out the dates or the arrival of Jesus with this. So you you walk this through and you're going, the wise men may have had some, some knowledge given to them through their speakers before. You have the Israelites having through Jacob and also with Micah specifics centuries before. And yet it all points to this little insignificant town and then you have the, the, the meeting of a star with wise men and a family that's paying their taxes. And I look at that and I'm just going, our God is capable of every point in time. And so that even means today, his hand of influence is here. And the, the ability for him to to point to a thing and say, I want peace with you. You know, to to write a book and say, you're in trouble now, but I'm still going to be reaching out to you. And then make this declaration that even down the road, there's more to come. And then for us to be able to look back and say, Jesus came to bring reconciliation between God and man. Our sin was such that there needed to be a price paid so that there could be peace. You know, we recognize that when somebody wrongs us, there needs to be some kind of apology, but also a straightening of things out if possible. It's not enough just to say, I'm sorry, right? If there's not a change of behavior or a restitution, we're still frustrated. That was cheap, you know? And in our relationship with God, there's a knowledge that all of us have, have participated in rebellion. All of us have done things that are profane. And yet, how do we, how do we get back into relationship? And so the picture stole, told through the centuries is that the person of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is our salvation. And it's a it's a thing that we can look at it and say, it's not just somebody making up a story in the moment. But this has, has been documented through ages of what would be. What an awesome thing that is. What a privilege for us. What a hope for our own lives that we are seen in small towns. What a hope that God has his hand on little communities. You know What a hope that, that a person growing up can say, even, even in a small town, God speaks to small people. Why did he pick out a, a, a shepherd to make this declaration about Bethlehem, and why would people hang on to it except there was something powerful going on? Thanks to God, whom we serve. Amen. Worship team. I'm going to pray for God's blessing upon you in just a minute. Jacob, 18th century BC, Balaam, 15th century BC, Micah, 8th century BC, Daniel, 6th century BC. The birth of Christ, we started going AD, right? God can see and does see and provide for a person in the 21st century. His hand all through history and today. We thank him for that. May a blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to have your hand guiding their steps. As each one goes into the community, ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with a supernatural eye.